the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. with me Rachel Gardner and my friend and partner in crime Martin Saunders and we are so glad that you've joined with us we don't know what you're doing but we hope that this is a blessed time for you Martin I hope it's a blessed time for you as well how are you feeling about this next episode oh thanks very much yeah I'm I'm good um I always like to imagine what people are doing whilst uh whilst listening to the Youthscape podcast and we always love by the way to hear what you do whilst you're listening to the Youthscape podcast, you can email us. and I'll, I mean, email still works. Uh, so, so podcast... podcast Please at, talk to us! Podcast at youthscape.co.uk um, or, um, you know, you can uh, tweet us at Youthscape or, you know, some very kind people have even left reviews on the podcast platforms, which very yeah. much helps us. So. And some very kind people, Martin, have sent both you and I those lovely chocolate brownies that um, in the post they've said, uh, oh, yeah. oh, was it just to me? What? Oh, you didn't get them. Oh, it's just to me. I, I get the fan mail. Yeah, you Shocking. do. Shocking. Well, well, we've talked about your fans. <laughs> and Hi, Charles. Love that with you. And now, how we, we need to worry about that. So, do you know uh, yeah. what? Since, since gyms and gymnasiums have been closed, we've had a distinct yeah. lack of any of our listeners saying, I listen to you while I'm like bench pressing like a thousand, whatever it is. I never go to the gym. I yeah. wouldn't know what the language is. What are they bench pressing? Uh, hamsters. There a thousand hamsters. A thousand hamsters. So we had a distinct lack of that. So I, I'd like to know what else people are doing when they listen to us. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, it, I've got quite into podcasts whilst I've been, uh, you know, uh, over the last year. I've listened to quite a few things. And, uh, and I like to combine a podcast with a walk. Yes. I know about you. So I think exercise and because because you sort of listen to a podcast to give yourself. This is a bit, this is a bit meta, isn't it? But um, you listen to a podcast to put a bit in. So yeah, you might you might listen to a podcast to to sort of stimulate the old grey matter and get thinking. And uh, and today's guest is going to uh, to help you with that. We've got a brilliant guest for that purpose. Brilliant today. guest. Um, but yeah, you. I don't, I don't know about you. Over the last year, I've tried to put I've tried to put something in mm-hmm. uh, because I'm aware that even though we're stuck at home, we are still giving out lots. Uh, you know, intellectually, emotionally, and otherwise. Um, so it's really good to invest in your yes, in your thinking and. It is. Um, uh, and so we're going to try and do a bit of that today, aren't we? We're going to try and get yeah. people thinking. Yeah. Can I can I interrupt before we get that far? Because okay. I, I totally agree with you. But I found that I've been watching a season on Netflix that I have. It's I hadn't realised how starved I was of visual stuff, so as well as like hearing great stuff. So I've been watching Lupin, which is the fantastic the French. Uh, thing about this great guy who's a gentleman burglar. Have you watched it at all? No. But the awesome thing about it is it's set in France. They speak French. I mean, it's dubbed into American. But the inside of people's homes looks so different. And I realise that's like a completely abstract and weird thing to say. But when you're starved of that, when you've just been in your own home for the last year, like all of us, our internal spaces have been so tiny. Like just seeing different layouts and different kind of furniture, I was like, oh, I'm really enjoying just watching different environments so i love what you said different environments in our brain and seeing different things and, and today's guest 
it's going to help us do both, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Forget brownies. Yeah. Just send Rachel a copy of the Ikea catalogue. <laughs> you do? All, all will yeah. be well. Oh, I don't care. I love it. Beautiful. So yeah. who is our guest? Because we, we, we're very excited about stuff. Yes. So our, our guest today is, uh, is Johnny Baker. Um, and Woo-hoo. Johnny is, uh, uh, has been working for many years for CMS. Uh, he's been heading up um, their work, pioneering for many years, helping um, uh, pioneer ministers to innovate new work, new church. Um, and so we talk a bit about that, but he's also a, a, a massive kind of youth ministry veteran as well with huge experience yes, there. Yeah. So he's, he's brilliantly able to relate it back to, to our world. But before we get to that, um, Rachel, I thought we might talk a bit about church today and what it's been like for, for both of us to operate in the, the context of church. Just to sort of start with, um, we've talked a lot about the youth ministry we've been, been doing, but what's... What's your church, Preston Minster? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the big church in the centre of uh, of the the city of Preston. Yeah, it's a civic church. Yeah. So, um, so what what what's actually church looked like in the last uh, few months? Ooh, that's such a good question. We we like many other churches have moved rapidly online. We pivoted quick. I remember that first week, uh, and we we also in that first week, way back at the beginning of the first lockdown, which feels like an age ago. We decided to go online, but we also realised that would make us entirely invisible to our homeless community, um, the community locally that are tech, you know, who haven't got any tech, um, people who were just wandering off the street because they want to explore spirituality or need a sense of a safe haven. All of that would be lost. And so we, we sort of tried to do these parallel tracks of making online church as accessible and, yeah, as, as slick. I'm going to use the word slick. I think unashamedly that's been what's been talked about here because we want to connect with a generation who don't who aren't used to church who don't know any of the faces on the platforms and 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 actually are are bringing to that an understanding of a certain quality of Um, how things look and so we definitely geared the online space towards the person connecting over a, a screen we didn't pretend that there was a group in the room and they were the third wall we made it very specifically for them but alongside it, I know with Jace, he did very much chaplaincy on the streets. We did a lot, you know, burying dear folks that had died on the street, doing little services from out the back, food banks, emergency food, praying for people on their doorstep. And, and, and that definitely shaped what we did online. If I, I mean, I've said this many times to you, Martin, I think I have found the online space brilliant but difficult. I feel quite conflicted by it. Um, I really like messy church that feels a bit dangerous and unpredictable (laughs) and so pre-records everything tightly done isn't my natural default Mm. but I absolutely have seen a generation connect with church and spiritual practices in ways they never had before. Mm. How how about for you guys? So we, I mean, we're a northern city in the north, you're down Um, in the south. So we're a sort of... uh big family Anglican church uh, in Surrey and uh, we went online quite quickly I think just before just sort of a week before we had to really Um, we have amazing a couple of amazing young uh, people in our congregation who have enabled um, you know some incredible uh, leaps in terms of technology Mm. Um, and I'm aware that a lot of churches you know even big churches might not have those those people because they are a bit mercurial um, and so we we've done pretty much everything online. We've done a little bit of face to face kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, 
um, sp- those those all you know I, I say awful those services where the chairs just ridiculously spread out you know those yes. services socially <laughs> distanced yeah. church yeah. services we did a few of those before this lockdown but but yeah I mean we're just trying to figure out ways of cultivating those kind of practices and rhythms mm. that you talked about um, in a in a, a, a wide community now you know most of the people who go to the church live quite close to the church which is an interesting feature of a parish oh, church as yeah. opposed to yeah. you know some of the churches I've attended in my you know people have driven there for, for miles yeah, and miles, for miles yeah. so people bump into each other and there's that little sense of parish which has sustained things a little bit more but I would say, you know, talking to the the various church leaders that I've talked to over the last um, uh, year, both here and around the place, uh, you know, are are pretty terrified about the implications of of going back to, um, you know, coming out of lockdown and being able to uh, meet again in person. And there's, a you know, the fear that everyone has, sort of twin yes, connected fears yes. are um, people won't come back. Yeah. And we'll have a massive financial problem to deal with yeah. because people will stop giving or the people who have stopped coming will stop giving. And I don't want to undermine those. They're, they're, they're practical, pragmatic concerns. And I understand why everyone has them. Um, but those are probably the top issues on the radars of our church leaders, a lovely, wonderful church leaders. My vicar listens to this and he's excellent. Uh, so, so I think, you know, that is, yeah. that is the, um, that, that's sort of the, and I guess the question for us is, and this will be a question facing a lot of youth workers at the moment, particularly those that are employed youth workers, is what uh, level of priority will youth ministry be placed at as mm-hmm. we start to mm-hmm. come out of um, so this phase? Uh, I just, you know, I think it, the answer will be different everywhere. But um, I, I don't know about you, Rachel. I imagine that lots of people are slightly looking over their shoulders at the moment yes, and thinking, yeah. what will this mean for me and my work? I think so. And I think we have, this last year, you and I have documented it quite a bit. There has been a narrative in the national church that said, oh, when we put stuff online, we had lots more adults accessing our service. And I don't yeah. think that is necessarily the, the whole picture. But that definitely hasn't been the average experience in youth ministry. Youth no. ministry has, on the whole, gone online. And on the whole, it's taken a nosedive. And we've been able to maybe keep contact with a core group. We've lost line of sight with young people on the fringe or in the community work. And so I think youth workers, I, I think actually part of the challenge for us as youth workers is to find a way of expressing what has been happening in terms of engaging with young people in terms of community, how they have been engaged in practices of faith, um, and what, in a sense, coming out of this, what we see as the big, open, brilliant, abundant space, that what could happen? Because actually, we never before, church leaders need to work on the, on the, on the radar of their prophetic imagination, because we mm. don't know. We, we just don't know and it won't help to look at churches to the left and right and say well they're doing that so therefore we will it's 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 actually now is the time to see your youth work team your volunteer youth workers as senior members of your church team because what they've been witnessing throughout this last year might be very different to what you as a church leader of an adult congregation have been witnessing you've got to listen to the voices of your youth team and of your young people um otherwise the dangers as you say decisions are going to be made on the basis of a bottom line or a bit of yeah. a fear or an anxiety and then in five years time we'll say what why did we looking back now that we need the one place we need to invest yeah. above all others was the one thing we cut like that was yes. so short-sighted so i think yeah. voices like johnny's and those that have been you know 
sort of just marinating in the world of pioneering for a long time. We need these voices because there's a confidence that comes from taking dangerous risks that we all need. I love that, Rachel. And I think the uh, the only the only kind of the only problem is, I guess, we would say this, wouldn't we? You know, we (laughs) are in youth ministry. Of course, we'd be the guys saying you know, make sure you invest in in youth ministry. And I I think we do totally understand that for many churches, there's a sense of going back into the building and finding out that it's on fire, you know, of sort of going back and thinking, gosh, there's there's some serious problems to deal with here. There's all these adults that 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 aren't connecting anymore. There's these Mm -hmm. families over here that have left. Um, you know, the elderly are feeling incredibly disconnected yeah, and have, yeah. feel like they've just lost a whole year of their lives shut inside. Um, you know, and then there's the youth worker telling me, you've got to invest in youth ministry, which is what the youth worker always said. Um, and I guess the question is, how do you how do you get past the sort of objection of, well, you yeah. well, you would say that, you know, this is one. Isn't this just one among many fires in the house right now? As, I mean, they're absolutely right. But I think well, you and I are the first to say that youth ministry is not a little siphoned off section at the back of the corner. That if you bless youth ministry, it's only a few teenagers that benefit. You and I know that the moment you prioritise emerging generations, the entire church mm-hmm. benefits because yes. you're basically funding the direction of growth and travel. Yes. So what you and I are not saying is make sure that coming out of lockdown, you buy a new minibus for the youth worker. And, yeah. and you paint the youth hall a better colour. No, no, we're talking about actually pivoting. I mean, I know you hate that word. But why it's do you keep of, saying pivoting, Rachel? I, know, I, don't know I why. thought we banned it. I think, and I think probably Johnny Baker banned it. It's not about thinking that I've got someone very clever on the podcast. I have to use a clever word. <laughs> Sorry, Johnny. But this idea of, um, well, there's a guy, James Emery White, that says skew younger. And he's just basically saying, it's not just about your finance. It's who are you putting up? Who, where are young people in positions of leadership? Like, how are you dreaming with the next generation? And I think I there's a church that Jason and I are going to be planting. It's a youth resourcing church. And we're saying to the dear elderly souls who are already in the existing congregation, you have a place at the table. This is you too. You know, we, we want you to help us do this. But we're all going to be looking in one direction. And that is emerging generations. And... and and I think that's, and they've jumped on board. They're like, we either do that or we die. And they don't yeah. want, they don't want to be buried. And then the church die. Mm. Like what 90 year old who loves Jesus wants to be buried knowing the church is going to die? They don't. No. They, they want, you know, they want to pour their energies. So I think actually this could be an incredibly exciting time yeah. if we do this together as church. Yeah. Wow. You, you know what? You sounded almost regal in that life. <laughs> That last line. I'm you, holding you... onto the desk like I'm going to thump my fist. Wow, that was like a political speech. Oh, come on. I was moved. But I, I will not tolerate the idea that the only people that care about youth ministry are young people and youth Oh, no. It's Absolutely such a lie. Not. And it's and just it... too easy to say as well, isn't it? For the but it is, a lie. it is a lie that uh, ministers are often led to yes. believe yes. because although it is true that not, the only people who care about young people aren't the younger people mm. it is also true that there are some older people who don't really care about young yeah. people yeah. and they often shout with a very loud voice and it takes real courage yeah. as a write leader the yeah. yeah they do write the bigger mm. checks i mean i've seen that happen i've mm. seen youth ministries effectively sh- cut off at the knee yeah. Yeah. because of the the person threatening to withdraw some some giving yeah. i've seen that happen yeah. so 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 i'm not suggesting that happens in many churches but ministers have to have real courage to yeah 
be able to stand their ground to those to those yes. church members and say, here's the rationale. Yes. Like, come with us. Be part of this. There's a there's room for you in youth ministry as well. Yes. But uh, but don't but you know yes. don't cut it off. And also, I'm not saying that automatically as a youth worker, I need to have as much money as I possibly want because I've got all the answers. I I think also I'm going to tread on dangerous ground now because I know that the youth ministry listening. I think youth ministry is too important to be left to youth workers. And I don't mean I don't mean because as a youth worker I don't know what I'm doing. But what I want as a youth worker is to be part of a church where the church leadership. Um, call the best out of me too. They help me be a bit more dangerous. And when I'm putting ceilings over things because I'm feeling a bit anxious, they're the ones saying, "No, come on, let's 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 imagine that this year we're going to reach a hundred new young people." And and what would it take to do that? So I think it needs to cut both ways. It's, you know, just because I'm a youth worker doesn't mean I'm automatically a pioneer. I need that called out of me. But I think often youth workers are more likely to be pioneers because the nature of our work is with an uncharted territory. Youth culture is uncharted territory. If you work with young people, you are automatically a radical, <laughs> aren't you? So Absolutely. I think, yeah. So let's just, I wanna hear what Johnny's got to say. Yeah, I'm excited. This is, I've got this my pen. Perfect moment to bring in our guest, uh, the amazing Johnny Baker, um, who I'm sure I'm sure you're aware of his work. He has, has been involved in youth ministry and, and, and now pioneering. Uh, for absolutely decades um, he's been consistently one of the most creative and innovative thinkers in areas like you know contemplative worship and uh, how we how we do events and uh, and all sorts of other things um, you know over that time so you are in for an absolute treat um, this is uh, what happened when I caught up with Johnny Baker start recording there we go um so yeah johnny i wondered if we could start with you just telling me a bit about what the last year uh if we can call it let's call it a year now uh what it's been like for you practically what have been some of the 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 highs and lows the good and bad things for you sort of you know in your work but also your life yeah i mean i think none of us expected it to go on this long so uh yeah it's been a much bigger adjustment hasn't it but i mean in terms of me personally i was actually on a sort of sabbatical when it started supposed to be going to vietnam and korea and nepal and i was at the time in new zealand i nearly got stuck in new zealand but i came back instead so the first thing i did was carried on that and i've I've written a book that I probably wouldn't have written otherwise because I was locked down at home on and didn't want to go back to work. <laughs> so that was my first thing. So there were, you know, that was a good thing that that came out. But I mean, essentially, the the big challenge and change for us was that a lot of what I do is training of pioneers with um, CMS Church Mission Society, and we just had to flip all that online, of course, very fast. And we knew that technology was available beforehand and had talked about doing more online, et cetera, et cetera. But suddenly we were into that and quite quickly having conversations, talking about flip learning, all these other things. But actually people adjusted pretty quick and the students did as well. And, you know, broadly speaking, that's worked really well. The technology is good. I mean, I think we try and... Um, yeah put put the content up ahead of time and use the space online for interaction conversation rather than a sort of lecture which is deathly on zoom i think um 
you know, we'd love to do more face to face with students, but actually that flip's been good. And in terms of students in September, we had, you know, more students join us, I think, than any other year, partly because I think because people know it's online, there's wider reach, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that adjustment, I think, was challenging but but good and has shown us a few things that we weren't aware of before i suppose so um so yeah that's been good and then i mean pioneers more broadly i would say a couple of things about them like youth ministers really is that they that their instinct is they're connected into their neighborhoods already that's kind of who they are and how they operate so when lockdown happens they're the kind of people who are going to be setting up whatsapp groups on your streets or getting involved in food distribution and with other services just because they've got those connections and actually maybe somewhat perversely they like a challenge so i think initially they they really adjusted pretty well but they're all fed up now of course (laughs) yeah well i was going to say first of all obviously with your with your pioneers Surely no group of people is better set up for this sort of situation than people who it's like in their blood to try and find new ways around problems. So I guess initially that must have been great. But also there's this thing we all understand about the stages of of grief and encountering trauma like this. And so everybody, you know, people like us, I guess, go into hero mode at first. But then there's that kind of how do you then... You know, when it doesn't just last three months and the world hasn't all been fixed, you know, how do you I mean, your role is partly pastoral, isn't it? How do you help a group of people who who want to change the world and, and actually are galvanized by a moment like this to sustain longer than that initial boast, uh, sort of burst of, of hero mode? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's really hard for everybody. And I think everyone's found January and February particularly difficult because it's dark, <laughs> freezing cold, wet. Um, you know, it's like it was a relief when January was over. So, yeah, I think that's hard for people. And in terms of students who are training with us, I think it's particularly hard for those who've got kids at home and they're juggling homeschooling. And it's just, you know, just the realities of life. So, yeah, I mean, we do our best to support people. We've probably got more students with extensions than we've ever had in our entire (laughs) history but you know there's not much you can do about it so but you know i think same with youth ministry isn't it i mean struggling yourself helps in a strange way you know with empathy more than having having it all together and being on top of everything and i think we struggle along with everybody else so you know yeah do do you do you sense a sort of an urge in yourself to sort of get back to normal to get back to some of the way things were or are you thinking like actually no we need to use this as a springboard to doing things differently in in the future yeah i mean i think i think we've learned things i think the church has learned things as well uh well it's learned that it can actually adapt when it has to so that's a big achievement (laughs) but i mean i think we've learned things about teaching about online about connecting so for us, I'm sure into the future, we will have more of a blended model of things. And that will particularly help reach to other places because the the bulk of our training is in Oxford. I mean, we have some unaccredited training in other places, but actually the reach online is much bigger. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to be into more of a blended model, I think. The thing we don't know is that people have done so much online. When we get back, will they want anything online at all? You know, but but I'm sure we'll. We'll have a mix of that. And I think the other thing that we've found is um, 
you know, that the international reach is everything's available. So you could have done it before, but I mean, I teach, for example, on, um, you know, module on practical theology. And I had a guy from Vietnam whose book I really love on contextual theology works for CMS in Asia. I had him drop in and teach our students from Vietnam. Why not? You know, so, I mean, I think those kind of things would definitely carry on those those learnings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it'll be a mix of um, some stuff we've learned and, but people, you know, things like residentials and being face to face, I think, you know, you miss the gaps um, where you're, sitting down having lunch together and chatting all of that that stuff mm. is so valuable in youth ministry and in teaching and so on so yeah yeah because you you've always prioritized the kind of close-knit in-person community stuff i think about the uh, you know congregation you've been involved in in london and and uh, you know i think of other stuff you've done green belt things you've written you know it's very much about people face to face getting close not thinking you've never been someone who's been concerned about massive reach which is obviously the, the the temptation that comes with the internet, isn't it? That suddenly you can you can have a big audience yeah. and so on. Yeah. So I guess there's a tension there, isn't there, between the opportunities that technology provides and the need for, yeah, just that uh, people's lives don't. Uh, well, my gut feeling is that people's lives don't really get transformed through, you know, just just screens. No, for sure, yeah, <clears throat> and certainly in terms of church communities, I mean, I would say that's one of the things that not every church seems to have adapted well to online. They they've adjusted their you know provision of worship by filming their service and broadcasting it to people or whatever. But actually, how you do community and the relationship stuff, some have done really well, I think, but others just seem to be broadcasting and. Not a lot else as far as I can see. Whereas, yeah, I mean, the community I'm part of, Grace in London, you know, they're usually 20, 25 of us or whatever. It's very much a community thing. So when we've met online, it's been highly relational, highly community focused. But that's that's what we value, I think. So, um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I mean, I mean, I think both have their, their place. And um, I think it's in terms of the, you know, wider media and communication, you know, I don't know what you listen to and use or whatever, but for example, I might uh, listen in the morning to 365 uh, one day or mm. whatever. So I think those wider pieces of um, communication that are out there are great. You want that wider broadcasting thing, but then it helps, I think, if you're bringing that into conversation with other people in your community, talking about what you're learning, praying together, reflecting. So yeah, I definitely think it's both and. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about innovation, which uh, is obviously uh, something you've, well, both of us have, have spent a lot of time thinking and, and writing and, and teaching about. Um, and I, I sense, you know, it's been particularly in the last three or four years, not just the last year, but there's a real proliferation of that concept now of the, of the idea of innovation, uh, of, of needing to have, you know, an innovation team or an innovation department or head of innovation or something. Um, does it does it excite you that everyone's sort of going for this concept and claiming innovation or do you have sort of reservations around it? Um, I mean, I think you can have novelty for novelty's sake. So it can be, you know, some just because something's new doesn't mean it's any good. <laughs> but, you know, I am a big fan of imagination and creativity. And I think um, you you know whether it's a business or the church or whatever you definitely need experimentation and play um 
I mean, in terms of the mission area that I work in, you know, often mission is that the area of imagination and play is the relationship between the tradition and the faith and culture. Mm. So, you know, how do you connect with the young people on a housing state or the Maasai in Africa? And how does it make sense on the inside of their culture? So there's a kind of, there's always a question of how the faith translates, moves forward, gets enculturated is the jargon word. So I think that that excites me and i think that's and that's a never-ending quest i suppose and i think that will be a quest post coronavirus i think it's a quest for youth ministry you know how some of the models we've had of youth ministry have got small and challenged and i think we do need that kind of imagination and thinking so yeah i think broadly speaking i i am in i'm definitely in favor of it no problem with it but i mean you get depth, I think, in innovation also if you're immersed in, you know, good understanding of the of practices of the tradition of nows about youth ministry and other things that, you know, innovation tends to be a bit thin if people haven't done the work on to find the depth as well. Mm. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard Andy Root kind of critique in the sort of obsession with innovation within the church as being all wrapped up in this. Uh, problem we have of just continually wanting to speed up as a culture and so yeah. in order to match the increased speed of culture we have to keep kind of um uh, turning the wheels of innovation and and getting faster and faster in everything we do uh, do you accept that as a as a sort of critique well i mean i think it depends where you are i mean most of the churches i know and go to i would say they are not obsessed with innovation <laughs> i mean you know they're 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 quite slow to to innovate i would say they're cautious so i don't think that's a problem in your average certainly your average church of england church it might be in certain yeah i mean maybe it, i could see it might be an issue in some american youth ministry culture or whatever but i don't really think that's a problem in the church i think a little bit of gentle encouragement for a bit more innovation is probably more <laughs> the church yeah. is that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I'm sort of hopeful that um, coming out of this, because we've seen these horrendous, there are horrendous statistics floating around already about how many churches engage with young people anyway. We, th we think probably about 25% of churches do some, some form of youth ministry. We also know that the, the sort of number of young people that we've been engaging with over this time has been, has been decimated. Um, the most kind of hopeful estimate is maybe a third of young people losing connection with or, or us losing connection with a third of the young people that we were connected to a year ago. So I guess a lot of churches are going to have to embrace the question of how do I get something going for younger people in my community? So I guess this is a very unkind question, but, you know, if you were to just give a little advice in terms of how to start that process in the sort of church context you just described. So like just a normal church that doesn't currently have youth ministry might might have had it in the past, but, but there's no great tradition of youth work there. You know, how do you even get started? Well, I, I mean, I think I take two routes to goal on that. One would be to kind of have a evening down a pub that'd be a nice thing wouldn't it um or wherever where you you invited people interested in that question or have got ideas you know beyond the regular pattern of church for what you might do and i think if you do that you might find some people who 
they might be frustrated with the way things are or their sense of call is definitely to something other than you know leading worship or preaching or whatever the church opportunities are so yeah i think you know create an undefended space where you have that conversation and dream a little with people and see what comes up and then really encourage those people to to you know dream together a bit and see what they come up with i mean i think that would be a start point for me and i think i would put in front of them the question and challenge around young people i mean if you've got parents with young people in the church i would also have a meal with them uh, and one with the young people as well and say you know just see what opportunities they think might arise because often they it's quite simple things that you do you know that can get something started and then i think starting at the other end <clears throat> i think for you know with 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 pioneers basically what we're trying to get them to do is um discern where god might be at work in their village or town or community or network and join in so so there's a sense in which the other way around is to get a church to learn some spiritual practices of listening to God. I'm not saying they don't know any, by the way, but, you know, there are ways that you could you could invite people to pray and pay attention and listen through the scriptures, through prayer, walking, whatever, and, and together begin to think what God is drawing to your attention and, and a process of uh, doing that. Um I mean, I, I I work more with on the first, the pioneer end, and a little bit less on the second, just in terms of my own work. But I mean, at, at CMS, there's a, a there's a pro, process called Partnership for Missional Church that takes churches on that journey over a sort of three year period where they do some experimentation and try and discern what it is that God's calling them to. And I think that that call back to practices and listening to God and seeing where God is calling us. And I would think it's almost inevitable that if a church does that, one of the things that God might bring to their attention is young people who are not in the church, you know? So, yeah, yeah I think those would be two ways I would um, great. start and think about that and massively encourage, you know, youth ministers, you know, of or whatever. I mean, the church isn't great at this, as you know, you know, in terms of contracts and looking after people. And so many go on to be ordained. And then you talk to them 10 years later and they're surprised they're not able to do youth ministry. And, you, you know, it's so yeah. frustrating, so frustrating. But you can you can understand why people do it because they have a call from God. They're passionate for ministry. So we've got to yeah. really look after encourage people that have a sense of call to that i think as well you know it's really really important and the yeah the church in my view nearly always gets renewed through youth ministry i mean you know i basically the stuff i do with pioneers i learned in youth ministry to be honest um <laughs> it's so yeah brilliant i i've got a couple of quick ones just before you go um, first of all, I just you just mentioned you uh, have written a book. Um, so you are that annoying person who wrote a book in, in lockdown. Uh, but, uh, so everyone hates you a little bit right now. But, but go on, what's the book about? What's, what is the book? Uh, it's a book called, I mean, it's going to be a self-published thing. It's called Pioneer Practice. And it's a sort of full colour magazine. Not really got theology or missiology in it at all. It's got sections on things like money, time, team. Ah dealing with the powers that be uh, a mix of stories so it's very much the kind of practical wisdom that we've learned over the last 
well certainly 10 years of doing training because we i've written and published quite a lot of stuff around theology and mission in, in that space but there's not we've not really put anything out that is more nuts and boltsy um I mean, it's got conversations and stories, but it's definitely a kind of coffee table thing. So I'm going to be kickstarting that in March. So watch this space. Oh, great. <laughs> and and presumably that's going to have some application to, to youth ministers, just by what you just described there. That sounds like, well, you know, I mean, I, plenty, plenty of yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, pioneer ministry and youth ministry, there's huge overlap, I think. I mean... You know, the place perhaps where it doesn't overlap is if you've got a massive church youth group and you're doing something pastoral with that group of people. Pioneers tend to be more focused on, on people outside of the church and working with them. But I mean, there's so few massive youth groups. I think most youth ministers are probably going to be involved in pioneering. Yes, yeah, so I think there'll be loads in there that... Um, youth uh, youth ministers and yeah family workers or whatever would find really helpful and we you know we have we've had quite a few i'd love to have had more i have to say and i would love to have more youth ministers train with us because of that overlap i think um yeah and um i, I was chatting with chris curtis the other week and he was sharing me some of the stats you were just saying about youth ministry and yeah that was yeah. firing me up a bit thinking yeah the church really has taken the eye off the ball on this one um yeah. so it does feel it needs some um, energy and um a new a new yeah a new something move for the spirit maybe <laughs> well that would be good yeah. um, so can people find out about that on your blog is that a good place to send people uh yes if they yeah if they find if you google johnny baker blog you'll find me um there's nothing there about it yet but i'm hoping we kickstart it on the 1st of March I mean I've written it but um, it's being designed I've written the kickstarter stuff but we've got to do the a dreaded cool video and um, oh, a couple no. of couple of spreads that the designer is uh, working on so yeah it will go live soon but yeah the best place to find me is probably on my blog and then I mean the pioneer stuff if you, you know, again if you google pioneer church mission society you'll find us there yeah Last question. I know I've taken you over time, but it's been so entertaining and interesting. So um, last question. What uh, do you what do you hope yourself that you've personally learned from this time? So you've probably made some natural changes. You probably had some thoughts. But what is the thing you hope? Oh, I hope I don't go back to or I hope that I learn this over the, from from what what I've just gone through. Well, I think there are two things for me. One of the biggest things in lockdown for me was the murder of George Floyd. So one of the huge challenges I've I've got is around, you know, inclusion and diversity when it comes to, you know, we're talking about youth ministry, but thinking about pioneering, how does that connect with um, other cultures and the diasporas in Britain? So that's one thing I've been shaken up by in this lockdown that won't let me go. Um, and I think the other is just the the um, yeah the the reach that there is through through technology globally to make the most of that um, you, you know even if that's just peppering what you do just a reminder that we are part of a global body of Christ and let's make the most of that I mean I think those those are the probably the two things that spring to mind. great interview martin i could have gone on a lot longer for me i absolutely love hearing you guys chat about that stuff 
Okay, I, I just, I suppose, in, in conclusion then, in conclusion, I, 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 I have on my heart a youth worker that's thinking, I love this stuff. But this is such a tough season and mm. I am one of those people that doesn't really know how secure my job is, if I'm a paid worker or you know, as a volunteer worker, whether the church really value this. Um, I'd love us to have a couple of things that we could just fling out to our beautiful mm. friends, to just to encourage them to start like, what, what would you say, Marty, is, is one thing that someone could go away and just spend a little bit of time investing in to really help yeah. fuel this pioneering heart they have? Well, I think if you're going to pioneer it can be quite a lonely place anyway youth ministry can be quite lonely um i think i think i would suggest that people pray for and try to find a few allies within the mm, church not necessarily people who are going to join your youth work team um you know but people who are just going to try to understand where you're coming from people of like mind people are going to pray for you people are going to have your back um, you know, I'm not suggesting you uh, tick off the various members of the PCC, although that is quite a good strategy. <laughs> yes. uh, I've found it very effective. Um, but um, no, you know, just building some 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 relationships with other other adults in the in the church. You kind of get where you're coming from. You know, iron sharpens iron, so they can help you think think through your ideas a little bit. But I think it's it's helpful to have some allies and advocates around if you're going to try and make change happen. That's very wise. And I think we, we tend to think people aren't interested or don't know, and often they haven't been invited to find out more. That's fantastic. I think the one thing I would say is if you have any space to get out in your area, um, to walk around, do a bit of prayer walking. And what I mean by that is simply, you know, you haven't got to walk around shouting <laughs> your intercession, but just walk around and change your environment and let God speak to you about the young people in your community. Um, let, let him just kind of flood your heart with a few audacious dreams. And it's not that then you'll go home and have a strategy and write it down and everything will be fine. But I find that when I feel my thinking is stuck, when I feel overwhelmed by the difficulties, I find actually getting out outside walking around looking at my local high school bumping into a few people in Costa or you know whatever it might be does change how I begin to perceive the situation and and it does help me think actually God I'm here to intercede on behalf of this generation um, and and whatever I can or can't do beyond that that is a powerful priestly role mm. and I'm a volunteer I'm a paid worker but I, but I contend for this generation. So I think encourage you to get outside and begin begin to see stuff move within yourself. Um, and yeah, I was on a call recently with some of our lovely friends from the Message, uh, um, the Eden, the Eden Project, the, the various Eden Church Planting Network. And um, and the the sort of discipline of prayer walking is just vitally important to those to those yeah. people as they seek to make an impact in their communities and so they do it all the time they're walking around they're praying and it becomes very that's one of the most conversational two-way types of prayer because it's it seems quite easy for god to speak to us through our surroundings if we're getting ourselves out into the thing we're praying about and experiencing it in that way so so yeah we um we encourage that rachel i i don't know why but this weird picture of you walking around the streets of preston um perhaps blowing one of those shofar things (laughs) have you got one have you got a shofar I don't. My mouth is like a. I'm so loud. Aren't I? Your mouth. Your mouth is like a shofar. That I is shut a. That's a perfect way to come into land today, actually. And also because it's so quiet in every city centre, um, I, I've taken it upon myself to shout at people across the street. Hi, have an amazing day! And when I started doing it in Preston with the North West, people were like looking at me like. Argh. Now people, I think, are loving it. I'm like, it's a quiet space. Let's just fill it with lots of noise and joy. So I love that. We love it, prayer. 
walking around here. Me and Jace do it all the time too. Um, I I have loved today, Martin, and I know people listening will have loved that fuel for thought, different ideas. Is there anything coming up soon that can be? I mean, this this is like a tasty starter. Yeah. Is there a feast coming up soon that we could gorge ourselves on? Well, I, I'm afraid there is, and uh, if you if you are already, <laughs> so uh, you know, if you haven't somehow already had enough of me and Rachel, then uh, then there's plenty more to come, uh, because we are going to be hosting an event uh, in a couple of weeks now um, called Renew Normal, which is an online event for the youth ministry community. It is a three day online conference, um, st- sort of exploring the subjects that we're looking at in this very season of the podcast see what we did there and um so you can find out much more about that at youthscape.co.uk forward slash renew normal and uh yeah i'm afraid it's you and me together again in fact that is probably the next time we'll see each other but only hosting i mean to be honest people can zone us out i'm saying saying you and i will see each other rachel we'll be in the the same place we'll be in the same i can't believe it you could sound more excited yeah, you're faking it now. I'm not. I'm going to get in that little car and I'm going to drive through many borders to get to you, Saunders. Wow, that's like a song. It is. That sounded yeah. like a, sounded a song from there. I don't care how I get there, George. <laughs> I'll be there. That's it for another edition. We love you. Of the Youthscape podcast. <laughs> see you soon. Renew Normal, introducing our brand new online conference, 24th to 26th of March. We're all wondering when the in-person youth ministry might return, and how. It's a chance here to stop and think about what kind of normal you want to go back to. This is that moment. Take the time to listen and learn from some of the most respected speakers in youth ministry. Find fresh inspiration and encouragement. Learn about practical new ideas you can implement in your own context. Find the space to renew your own faith and explore a bigger vision for what God can do through you in a post-COVID world. Join us from Wednesday 24th to Friday 26th March 2021 for a new normal, a brand new online interactive event for youth leaders. Find out more and get tickets for you and your group on our website, youthscape.co.uk forward slash renew normal.